Buenas noches y días, señores y señoras, and welcome to that sports show that talks sports. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Valentin, and welcome back to another wonderful episode, and I hope everybody out there is having a great day or night or whenever you're listening to this. It is September the 10th when this one's being recorded, ladies and gents. We are uh, Thursday, so obviously there's a lot of sports stuff we've got to get into, being that the NFL season is coming right around the corner, ladies and gents. I want everybody to know that this is going to be most likely a very heavy NFL one because... I've been missing football very much, and I really want to get into the football season. So, obviously, we got some games we're going to probably predict. I've got some things I want to go over for the upcoming teams this year. So, without further ado, get ready to saddle in for this one. And we've got, obviously, a lot of podcasts coming at you guys with all this good stuff. So, please, don't be afraid. Sit back, relax, and let's get right into the material. So, yes, as I said before, if you didn't catch that, the NFL season is Coming soon, as in today, is the first game of the season. It is the Houston Texans going to Kansas City. That is today at 7.20 p.m. Central Time. So figure that out on your own time zone, people, because I live Central Time. So I don't know what that converts to with everybody else. I probably could look it up, but I don't have that kind of opportunity nor time. So yeah, Houston Texans, Kansas City Chiefs started off tonight and... Look, I know there's 32 teams. I thought it would be really good if maybe I kind of did a quick maybe go through on each of the 32 teams to kind of give a little bit of something about what each team can possibly do. So I thought this this would be good. So what I'm going to do is everybody's got their kind of gimmick and stuff. I think every team in sports... You know, Colin Cowherd on The Herd has his three-word game. Pardon my take has their little thing, right? Everybody's got their little thing. My thing is, I think every sports team always has a question. No matter how perfect they are, there's always a looming question about how the teams are going to do for the season. And I think there's always that one question... There's always that one question that's sort of just kind of sitting around that we all uh, that we're all thinking about. So I thought it would be good if I just went through each and every NFL team, kind of gave a quick synaps- synopsis, if you will, or however you want to pronounce it, about how each team's going to do uh, for the season. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to start it off real quick. I'm going to go into the AFC East. Easton, work my way through, go to the NFC North again, try and make this as quick as a NFC, and do this as quickly as I possibly can, all right? First up, Buffalo Bills. Can Allen dig throwing it? I think Josh Allen right now, his biggest question mark is, can he be the quarterback that we all have seen him to be last year? Right, 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That was the first time he actually showed signs of being an NFL quarterback. Well, the question's always, he hasn't had that number one go-to guy. John Brown, I think, is a really good wide receiver. Cole Beasley's a nice third down guy. Dawson Knox, I think, will be a really nice tight end. And the running back game right now between Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, they'll be good running backs coming out of the backfield. But now getting Stephon Diggs, obviously opens up a never-before-seen passing attack for the Buffalo Bills. So it's going to get real interesting. Josh Allen, is he going to be sold on throwing the football? I would hope so because he's got to get away from running it. As big and strong as he is, running the football right now is not his biggest advantage. 17 touchdowns in, what, the last two seasons or something like that? Crazy amount. Good amount. But i got to learn how to throw the football. New England Patriots, can Cam be the man? Obviously, New England's lost a lot of players. People are saying they're tanking. I don't think Bill Belichick ever knows what tanking actually is. He'll probably find a way to go 7-9, 8-8, 9-7 at best. And it's all going to come down to whether or not Cam Newton actually plays to his level. Everybody says he's going to have an MVP season. I wouldn't go that far. Comeback player of the year? Eh, it's possible. But I think the reality is Cam's probably just an above average to maybe good player on his best days at this point. Don't be asking for him to be an MVP caliber player. Just because you win the MVP once doesn't always mean you're going to be an MVP player 
all the time. You can ask any player that. Eventually, it starts to fade. And for Cam Newton, right after that Super Bowl appearance, it all started to drop, right? Bad level of play. Seems like his attitude dropped. Seems like he didn't care as much. He got hurt more. For a guy that's only had three seasons with 10 or more wins, it's kind of hard to tell where Cam's at right now at this point. New York Jets. What? Uh, it all I all I could really find to say about this one was, what gase can we make for a winning season? I know that was lame, and that's maybe because of the fact that Adam Gase, it, right now the whole thing kind of centers around Adam Gase. Uh, Jamal Adams is gone. C.J. Mosley opt out. Le'Veon Bell is not the same running back he was. The only thing they have that looks of promising quality right now is that Metki Betkin has been their first-round pick, and he's going to help the offensive line. So that's going to help Sam Darnold be able to throw the ball a little bit more and have more time and be able to throw it. I think Sam Darnold's a franchise quarterback. I don't think that's not. I think that's fair to say. I think that's a very fair statement to say. I think the problem is is that Adam Gase, for all that he has done, being here in Chicago and Denver, and now in my and then in Miami and now in New York. He's just going to prove that he's not really a qualified head coach. And everybody keeps trying to give him a chance, but it's just not working out the way that they think it is. He just doesn't have that quality as a as a coach. And if anything Jamal Adams said about Adam Gase is real, then that goes to prove it. And finally, Miami Dolphins. The porpoise should be product. Should be progress. Again, I know that was lame. But look. I don't know if Tua can actually break the mold of an Alabama quarterback. He couldn't even beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick. I get it. You want him to sit, maybe learn a little while. Maybe that's a bad sign. Maybe that might be a red flag. I don't know. But look, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, they're the best wide receivers. I'm not sold on Preston Williams. I'm not sold on any of their wide receivers. Austin Jackson, their draft pick, is their best offensive line prospect right now and their best offensive line player as far as I'm concerned. Kyle Van Noy, I think, is just one of those guys that Belichick just realized your best days are behind you. Byron Jones hasn't had a turnover in 48 games. I mean, you can try and convince me all you want that Miami's on the up and up. I'm telling you right now, Miami still has a lot of work to do. And that's if Brian Flores actually gets the opportunity to stick around. I just don't see it right now. All right, into the AFC North. Baltimore Ravens. How far can Lamar run? Folks, there's no question Baltimore Ravens are probably going to make the playoffs. I mean, they'll be there. My question is, can Lamar Jackson actually keep up the running? Last year, he set the record. Most rushing yards by a quarterback, most rushing touchdowns in a season. That's wonderful, right? But let's remember this. Greg Roman's his offensive coordinator. The guy who created the offense for Colin Kaepernick. Also the same sort of offense they ran in Washington when Robert Griffin III was there. It worked for one season where they both went to the playoffs and 49ers went to the Super Bowl with it. And then the next year, everybody figured it out. Lamar Jackson might be in the same boat as them all. I would not expect him to have the same amount of rushing yards he had last year. Don't expect him to have the same kind of rushing season he had last year. He needs to learn how to be the quarterback that can run, not the running quarterback. Pittsburgh Steelers, can Ben be big again? This all centers around if Ben Roethlisberger can be the quarterback for him. They've got Juju, they've got James Washington, Deontay Johnson, right? They got Eric Ebron. James Conner gets hurt a lot, but he's the workhorse. You pair him up with another running back to be a one-two punch. It can work, and that offensive line is still at the top of its game. Pittsburgh should be able to win games. It all kind of comes down to, can Ben Roethlisberger do it? Oh, and by the way, you got a top five, top ten defense. Ben Roethlisberger is where it's at. He said he's been working out. We'll see if it's actually going to happen. Cleveland Browns, can Kevin make Baker a touchdown maker? It all comes down to Baker Mayfield. OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, Jack Conklin on the right tackle spot, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield. You've got a defense right now that lost Joe Schobert, so they lost one of their main guys in the middle. But overall, it's still a good defense. Can Baker Mayfield overcome his slump from last year 
or rather his drop-off from last year, and become the quarterback that he's supposed to be. Otherwise, if he doesn't, he's out of the franchise. This is his fourth head coach. He's kind of been set up to fail almost in a way. But if he overcomes all of that and shows everybody that he can actually play with this team and maybe get them to a playoff spot, anything can possibly happen. And finally, in the AFC North, Cincinnati Bengals. Can Joe bring the bite back to the Bengals? Offensive line's a mess, except for Jonah Williams, and even he's a question mark because he got hurt his rookie year. A.J. Green's been hurt a lot, and he's 31 years old. Tyler Boyd's good. Auden Tate's okay. T. Higgins is a rookie. Joe Mixon's a very good running back. He's one of the top guys out there. And the defense is a complete mess, and they're trying to rebuild it, except for Jesse Bates, Carlos Dunlap, and Geno Atkins being the most consistent pieces there. Joe Burrow's the new quarterback. I don't know if he's Carson Palmer. And everything I say for Tua goes for Joe Burrow. LSU doesn't have a great history of quarterbacks, neither does Alabama, right? So I don't know. What I do know is Joe Burrow worked with Joe Brady as his passing coordinator in LSU, who worked with Drew Brees in New Orleans, who's now the offensive coordinator in Carolina. So my thoughts are Joe Burrow has the mindset and the ability to work with offensive coordinators at the NFL level. He has the mentality, it seems like, to get over the next play and move on. I think he's going to be really, really good. AFC South, the Houston Texans. Can Watson handle the money load? I know what that sounds like, but don't worry about it, folks. Deshaun Watson needs to be able to understand that he's taking on the $160 million extension with the idea that Houston means to say, You're the franchise player. And that's totally understandable. He's a very good quarterback. But that also has to come with the understanding that you've signed him. You've signed Laramie Tunsil. Now you've you've signed a few other pieces. You're probably going to sign even more. There's going to be less money to work with, which means not so much is going to go to the defense. There's not going to be enough left for the offense, maybe. So he's going to have some off days, unfortunately, because the team's just not going to be collectively good. Houston's got to be careful with this one. But overall, Deshaun Watson's been able to prove he can overcome with less. Indianapolis Colts. Can Phil have some thrill in Indy? I tried with this one. Look, I know a lot of this is centered around the quarterback situation, but that's ultimately what's going on these days in the NFL, right? And for Phillip Rivers, this might be his last shot in the sun. This may be his last opportunity to really show people what he can do. And if he can do some great things here in Indianapolis, who knows what could happen, right? He's going to have a lot of time to throw. He's got the best offensive line in football, right? Ryan Kelly just got his extension. Quentin Nelson's the best offensive lineman, I think, in the league by far. I don't think anybody matches him. And that defense is pretty, pretty scarily, you know, good. Nobody really gives them enough credit. So I would say be careful on what Indianapolis can do, especially in this division. Tennessee Titans, it all comes down to Henry. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to have the same kind of season he had last year. The defense, I think, has been shaken up a little bit, even though they've kept a few of their star players. But I don't know if the defense is going to look the same. And I think a lot of this is really going to fall down on is Derrick Henry going to be able to actually perform at the top-notch level they need him to be. I just don't know if there's an answer there or not. I like what I see in Tennessee. I think there is a chance that they could actually win the division. But even still, a lot of this is going to fall on Derrick Henry. Remember, he's been bumped and bruised before. We don't know how he's going to hold up. I would say right now, Derrick Henry is the biggest question mark in Tennessee. And finally for Jacksonville is the luck in Lawrence for the future. Jacksonville's got nothing left. They've traded everything away. They've let it all go. And at this point, it's Gardner Minshew with a couple of decent players, and that's it. And those guys might even be gone. If they are tanking for Trevor Lawrence, they better really hope that Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville is going to be the saving grace because I'll tell you right now, Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville as far as a media and, you know, transformative marketing kind of player. I don't think he fits well in Jacksonville, and everybody else would say that too. Any other team he would be great in. It's just Jacksonville kind of feels like the funny place for him to go. But who knows? Maybe he turns Jacksonville around. 
A lot needs to be seen still. AFC West. Kansas City Chiefs. Can Kansas City be the Kings again? Obviously, the Chiefs. They're looking to go 12-4, 13-3 in a lot of the predictions. They still have one of the best teams. They're reigning Super Bowl champions. How could you doubt them? But it's the biggest question right now. Can they repeat? Can they do it again? A lot of people say they're going to win multiple championships over and over and over again after Patrick Mahomes signed the big deal. But here's the thing you got to remember. When your quarterback signs that big deal, there's not a lot of money left over to try and sign everybody else. So Tyreek Hill and a lot of those guys on that team might have to say goodbye because the weight of their quarterback's contract right now is going to weigh them down significantly over the next few years, and they're going to notice it in a very significant way. Los Angeles Chargers. Just where in the world is the offense going to be? No Phillip Rivers. Tyrod Taylor's taking the snaps as the starter in week one. We know Justin Herbert was the sixth overall pick. Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson are poised to be the number one and two running backs in this system. They still have Mike Williams, but he's questionable, right? Keenan Allen just got his extension. Hunter Henry's in this t- on this team, but he constantly gets hurt. And the offensive line is still kind of a question mark. I don't know where the Chargers are at. I know their defense is great, but they lost Derwin James. So I don't know where the Chargers are at right now, but I don't think it's going to be looking very pretty. Denver Broncos. Eyes are locked on lock. That one kind of sucked. I'm sorry. But look, Drew Locke, 4-1 in his last five starts, right? That's what everybody keeps saying. So, And look, I will say this. I thought he was a first-round pick quarterback. But obviously, when it comes to much like Texas Tech quarterbacks, Missouri quarterbacks kind of get the same thing, right? Oh, they run a spread offense. They they like to air the ball out a lot. There's no room for that kind of stuff at quarterback. But, hey, look, it's working right now for Drew Locke, and he's got the setup, right? Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, not to mention his running game, Philip Henry, or Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Along with Royce Freeman, I mean, he's got a three. He's got all these weapons he can work with. By the way, offensive line not the worst in the world. Could be better, but not the worst in the world. The only problem is that the defense just lost Vaughn Miller. So Denver has some major questions. But overall, if the offense actually produces, there's no reason this team actually might be able to make a wild card potentially. And finally, in the West, Las Vegas Raiders. What's what is the gamble in Vegas looking like? Again, that I, I wasn't sure on how to put this one, but the biggest question I just have for the Raiders at this point, how are they going to look in Vegas? New stadium looks nice. A lot of people are iffy on it. Not sure what the Raiders are going to do. It's a new home. It's a new situation. They have to play. I, I think they're playing at home, if I'm not mistaken, in their first game. So, there's a lot of pressure on the, excuse me, no, they're playing in Carolina. So there's a lot of pressure, though, still on the Raiders to produce because this is a whole new team. It's a whole new outlook. They've upgraded some few a few spots here and there. So there's a couple of questions that are still, I think, standing for the Raiders at this point. I just don't think it's going to be looking very good for them right now. All right, moving into the NFC. NFC East, Philadelphia Eagles. Can Wentz fly high? With receiving core. Jalen Rager's right now out. Four to six weeks they said. No Nelson Aguilar anymore. Elshon Jeffrey is kind of on the way out. Deshaun Jackson is getting older. There's huge question marks surrounding the receiving core still. But Carson Wentz is still a great quarterback. He had 27 touchdowns. Even without all those weapons. And keep this in mind. They still have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And when they went too tight end with those guys... They found success. I would suggest the Eagles are probably going to win the division. Dallas Cowboys. Is it time for Dak to finally attack? They've relied heavily on a run game and a really good, powerful offensive line to kind of run the system with Dak Prescott having to be able to dart and dot passes in. Last year, he was actually able to allow to throw the ball. 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns. He had 11 picks, the most he's had in his career, but even still... They let him throw the ball around. The question is still on the defense as well. Don't get me wrong. The defense is very much so a huge question mark. 
but obviously all eyes right now are fixated on if Dak is going to be able to provide a huge passing attack. You've got Amari Cooper, you've got CeeDee Lamb, and you've got Michael Gallup. Jarwin's not a bad tight end, and then you've got a relief guy in Ezekiel Elliott to carry the load. There's a lot there for the for the Dallas Cowboys. They should be a pretty good competitive team. New York Giants. Is Saquon ready to break? This is not a negative. This is me saying it in a positive way. Is Saquon ready to break is basically my way of saying, is Saquon ready to break records, break down, break out, and break away from the rest of the competition? I think right now, him and Christian McCaffrey certainly are the number one and two running backs in the country. Everybody in fantasy football thinks so, but I'm going to be honest. I think Saquon's a lot better. He's bulkier. He doesn't carry the ball as much. He's able to break away longer runs. I know he got injured last year, but even still, I like Saquon a lot. My craziest prediction right now, I think Saquon is ready to go for 2,000 yards. And if it's not this year, it's going to be soon. He's not a, it's not, for him, it doesn't seem like it's a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Finally, the Washington football team. Can we at least have a football team? It's my big question. Can they at least be a football team? There's so much around this franchise. If they go 0-16, I won't be shocked. This football team has just been bad. They've just been bad. I, I think they really should have one of the worst records in the in the NFL. And if that happens, they're going to have a really serious situation to make on their hands. But if I were Washington and I get the number one pick, yes, I would trade Dwayne Hoskins in a heartbeat and get Trevor Lawrence without any call to action. I would certainly do that in a heartbeat. NFC North. This is my home territory, ladies and gents. Minnesota Vikings. Can Kurt be captain of the ship? Kirk Cousins is the biggest question of them all. Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson's a really good receiving core. Davin Cook's a great runner. They've got an awesome offensive line. Their defense is solid. Even after they lost Everson Griffin, they got Nagakwe. They're all set. Their roster's solid from front to back, up and down. The question is, is Kirk going to rise to the moment? He never performs on Monday night, and in playoff games, he's not always been at his best. Green Bay Packers, does Aaron have the magic left? Aaron Jones is not who I'm talking about, of course. It's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones is a great, is a nice little running back. He's great for the run in the pass. Devontae Adams is a great receiver. After him, there's not a lot left. Defensively, I think the Packers are an underrated defensive team. But Aaron Rodgers is the main question. He's another year older. You've drafted his competition now in Jordan Love in the first round. Is he feeling the pressure? I would say probably not. But is he feeling some of that, you know, built up penetrate, you know, built up anger inside of him against the Packers? I just don't know. But I would really put it against Aaron Rodgers right now to kind of say, Keep it cool, keep it calm, and just let it rip, man. I'm not a big fan of his. I don't I don't think he's going to ever win another Super Bowl. But at this point, it's about securing a legacy, not a Super Bowl ring. Chicago Bears. My hometown team, Chicago Bears. Who's the next future quarterback? That's my I mean, I will go into further detail on the Bears at some point, but I'll tell you right now. As far as I can see it, the Chicago Bears, I think they did that wrong. I don't think Trubisky is the starter. I think they should have went with Nick Foles. You traded a fourth-round pick for him. You might as well give him the opportunity. You paid him all that money, but you're going to go with Mitch Trubisky. Why? Because Ryan Pace doesn't want to be seen as the wrong guy. He doesn't want to be seen as the wrong guy. He doesn't want to be seen as saying, I made the wrong choice. He wants to try and validate the reason why he drafted Trubisky, and it's going to set the Bears back even farther, which is fine for me because I'd rather get a top 10, top 5 pick, try and get Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, one of those real quarterbacks out there, not Trubisky who is clearly pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. But again, I'll get into that at a future episode down the line. Finally, Detroit Lions is their piece in Patricia land. Matt Patricia right now is my hugest question mark of them all. Stafford, the defense, receivers, I got none of those problems there. My question is, is Matt Patricia the guy? 
I think he's on the hot, hot seat. I think this guy's ready to get fired. He is trying to be Bill Belichick without being able to implement anything that's Belichick. According to Darius Slay, he has no culture. And when he tried to be Belichick, he couldn't even put a Belichick culture in Detroit. He failed on a massive level in that reason. And that's why he wanted out of Detroit himself, Darius Slay being one of the top corners in the league for a long time. Matt Patricia drove him out, which I'm thankful for as a Paris fan. Don't get me wrong. And now he drafted Jeff Okuda, who I think is going to be another great top corner. But it just feels like everything's being set up for failure. NFC South, the most interesting conference, I might say. New Orleans Saints are the winds still blowing for Breeze. Drew Breeze has maybe one more year left to prove it, right? A lot of people have been talking about this. He's got the one-year contract left. Everything looks like it's set up for him. Alvin Kamara, that whole ordeal going in New Orleans isn't even that huge of a question mark really for me. It's all about is Drew Brees going to be able to get that second trophy? I think he's a Hall of Famer even without it. Let's be honest. He doesn't need the second Super Bowl win. But it doesn't hurt to have another one. When you win a second one, you go into that upper echelon of quarterbacks. Winning the first one... I still think he's in the upper echelon. Don't get me wrong. But getting a second one really puts you even farther into that talk. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can the defense match the offense? Pretty simple, pretty standard. I think the offense is going to be outstanding. Tom Brady, Ronald Jones, and Leonard Fournette, and LaShawn McCoy in the backfield, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron Bray, Rob Gronkowski. My God, they've got all sorts of gadgets and, and gadgets and who, who's he what sits all over the place for the offense, right? But what about the defense? Best young linebacking card, Levante David, Devin White, Shaquille Barrett. Defensive line's kind of old, average, wouldn't really count on it. Can get a pass rush, but still kind of old. I'm Defensive backs, I'm not confident in any of those guys. I don't know any of them. Carlton Davis, okay, he's fine. I think one of their names is Scantling or something like that, right? Like the guy in Green Bay. Or Bunting or something like that. <coughs> Excuse me. I just don't have the confidence in those defensive backs. I don't trust him. I don't trust him. I'm sorry. I don't trust the fact that Tampa has nobody to really shut down anyone for the DBs. So, yeah, they can throw all the touchdowns they want, but guess what? They're going to get burned every time. Atlanta Falcons. What's Matt Ryan's next move? Dan Quinn's job's on the line. Matt Ryan's the focus of this team. Todd Gurley's in at running back. They're not going to run the ball that much. They're going to throw him some outline passes, some things in the flats, and let him try and score some touchdowns that way. And every now and then in the red zone, he'll probably score a touchdown. But look, this is all going to come down to can Matt Ryan throw that ball. The defense, obviously, again, another big question mark as usual for a lot of these teams. But right now as it stands... Matt Ryan's got to be the guy to deliver. He delivered last year. Not the greatest numbers, but he still delivered nonetheless. My question really is, can he do it again? And can he do it in more perpetuity against a lot better competition right now in this conference? Finally, in the NFC South, Carolina Panthers. Can Matt Rule rule them all? I'm not confident with Matt Rule. I think they paid him a lot of money in Carolina. For one good season in the sun with Baylor. I don't trust the guy's record in college. I think he's going to be another guy that fades out potentially. That's just my opinion. But Matt Rule, obviously, got to show something. Got to show us that he can actually be a productive player. Excuse me, productive coach. Uh, He's got Teddy Bridgewater as his new quarterback. Christian McCaffrey is one of the most lethal weapons in the league. But he has to touch the ball like 600 times in a season to make that happen. And I think at that point... You're going to eventually start to break down. He doesn't have one. He has only one wide receiver in DJ Moore that's a real threat. The offensive line's a little iffy. And defensively, I mean, I think they've got some solid pieces on defense, but overall, I'm just not seeing it 
work without their mastermind Luke Keekley in the middle. But I understood why he why he decided to retire. Makes total sense. NFC West, ladies and gentlemen. NFC West, and then we're finally out of this one. Seattle Seahawks. Can they finally perform with Russ? I'm talking about the whole team. That includes coach and all. Pretty basic way of saying, can the rest of the team hang with Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson does everything he can to put the Seahawks in the playoffs, but it never feels like the rest of the team is willing to do their part. And it all comes down to, can the Seattle Seahawks defense live up to that hype? And can the offense even live up to the hype? I just wish they would throw the ball more with Russell Wilson. You're really letting an arm talent kind of go down by the wayside. He could be extraordinary if you would just let him be able to throw the football that much more. San Francisco 49ers. Is the Super Bowl hangover real? Obviously, there's a lot of questions on whether or not their time in the Super Bowl is going to be that quote-unquote hangover period where you've been in the Super Bowl, you're trying to get back, but you're trying to do a little bit too much, and you can't really see straight right. I think the 49ers are going to be fine. But obviously, that's a big question running around right now. Are they going to have Super Bowl hangover? Are they not going to be a team that that makes the playoffs again because they're just completely worn out after trying to make that huge run for a Super Bowl title? I don't know. I think they're going to be good, but a lot of people are seeming to doubt them out. Los Angeles Rams is their competency in the new stadium. I don't even know if that's the right word to use. Maybe it's competence. Let's go with competence. Basically, can the Rams be at least anything that looks like a football team? Last year, they were just all over the place, right? Jared Goff's throwing interceptions left and right. The defense is letting easy plays walk through. There's no really established run game because Todd Gurley was hurting so much. They finally found some guys that look like they could be a backup Cam Akers and all these, but I just don't trust them that much. The offensive line's a problem. And this all is because they paid Todd Gurley a lot of money and then paid Jared Goff a lot of money. And then they paid Brandon Cooks a lot of money. They've paid everybody a lot of money now, including Jalen Ramsey, And I'm really starting to wonder where all this money is going to go to and how they're going to be able to pay for new players. I think the Rams have put themselves in a sinking hole they're not going to be able to crawl out of. And finally, the Arizona Cardinals. Is Kyler and company ready for the next step? I don't know if he's going to win the MVP, but I think he's in conversation right now as a preseason favorite to win MVP. Kyler Murray is really spectacular. Last year, they went 5-10-1, right? 5-10-1 in his rookie year. 3,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Let me tell you something. He won Offensive Rookie of the Year with those numbers. I thought Josh Jacobs should have won it, but certainly I thought Kyler should also get it. Not to mention he had, like, what, 500 extra rushing yards? Kyler Murray's a really special player. And now you give him DeAndre Hopkins with Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk and Kenyon Drake when he's healthy and an offensive line that I think is getting a little better and a defense that hopefully is stabilizing, Arizona might actually be a surprise playoff team. A lot of it kind of just comes down to where are they at right now? Can everybody else kind of stay stay injury away from injury and have a stable start to the season? Tell you what, if they are able to come out with a win in their first week, A lot of promises there. A lot of promise. All right, so I know that one was a little bit long, uh, but those are my big questions right now for every team. Obviously, uh, apologies if a lot of those were kind of very similar to one another, but obviously, again, it's a quarterback-driven league. This is what happens in the NFL now. It's all about quarterbacks. That's always the questions now. But obviously, there's a lot of questions with each and every team, right? And... Look, I will lay down predictions here eventually soon. I will tell you right now, though, this Thursday game, I'm really looking forward to it. But this is where I'm also going to get into a bit of the Bears conversation. And this may take up the rest of the time. We'll see. But here's what I want to say. So Thursday, today, you're going to have the Houston Texans taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, right? You're going to see the two best quarterbacks from the 2017 NFL Draft go one-on-one with each other. 
One was taken number 10 overall, Patrick Mahomes by the Kansas City Chiefs. The other one was taken, I believe Watson was 14th or 15th overall by the Houston Texans. Or I no, I believe he was 12 maybe. He was high up, I know that. But I want everybody to understand this. While that's going on, in the city of Chicago, where I live and have been raised at, the Chicago Bears will be preparing to start the season with the other quarterback that was taken in the first round, the guy that was first selected in the 2017 draft, second overall, Mitch Trubisky. Now, here's the thing. I want everybody to understand. I don't hate Mitch Trubisky. I don't hate this kid. I think he's got qualities that show he can actually be a starting quarterback. I just think that what he lacks is the talent. And I think he, in the early stages of his career, possibly even lacked maybe some of the work ethic, if you will. Not really trying to bring this kid down, and its not, I don't think he's going to hear me at all, but I'm just being honest with what I've seen so far. In the early stages of when... Well, before we even do that, let's drop back all the way to the 2017 draft, okay? Let's rewind the tapes. For those who don't know, before the 2017 draft even started, before college season even started, and my co-host for X-Bomb Sports, Tom, will like this, the preseason drafts had Deshaun Kaiser, the quarterback for Notre Dame, being the number one pick. He was 6'4", 235, had a great arm, good accuracy. A lot of people talked good on him. Why he dropped in the preseason drafts to be a second-round pick and has never really produced, I think a lot of it has to do with he had a bit of a lackluster arm when it came to accuracy. He could certainly sling it down the field. His footwork was a little sloppy. And then ultimately it came down to he made some bad decisions. You know, he threw into double coverage. He tried to force a lot of things, and that's why he dropped off. So by the time the draft is coming around, everything has shifted where Kaiser's now fallen to be a second-round pick, and all these other quarterbacks have moved up. And the three that were talked about the most were UNC's Miss Trubisky, Clemson's Deshaun Watson, and then came Texas Tech's Patrick Mahomes. And obviously, every analyst out there is looking at these quarterbacks going, well, what makes these guys so special? Well, Deshaun Watson's a name, a household name. Everybody who knew college football knew who he was. This is a guy who started at Clemson, what, three years? I think it was three years he started at Clemson. Won a national championship in his last year there. It was a great end of the season for him, right? All that stuff. Everybody's like, oh, God, you can't miss with Deshaun Watson. He's the best quarterback in the draft. Well, why why did he why was he the last quarterback taken in the first round? Well, there was a lot of things about Deshaun Watson that kind of got labeled a little iffy. First off, his senior year was not great. He threw a lot of interceptions. Okay? He threw a lot of bad balls, he threw a lot of picks. What didn't help was that when he got to the combine, he did good, but he didn't do outstanding. And then when he had his pro day, from what I understood, he did terrible in his pro day. Maybe not terrible, but he definitely did not do very good in his pro day, okay? He, he certainly did not play up to the hype that people thought he was. So it was questionable, right? Then there was Mitch Trubisky. 30 touchdowns, 3,000 yards, 6 interceptions at UNC. Led them to a winning record, and everybody was like, man, this kid's consistent. He looks accurate. He doesn't throw big balls, but look, he is able to find the open man every time. This kid has the athleticism, too, to be able to run. You have, and he, This is the age of mobile quarterbacks. He's the perfect kind of guy, right? But the knock against him was he's only started 13 games. He didn't play well in the bowl game. You know, there weren't a lot of signs that said that he was anything of a significant talent when it came to the mental aspect of the game and that has been the knock on him since he's gotten to Chicago 
but at the same time they're like but he still seems like he's a very smart kid he seems like he's still very mentally strong so he's maybe worth the look as a first round pick and then there was Patrick Mahomes his father is a baseball player he's a baseball player he went to Texas Tech he was the replacement for uh Baker Mayfield when he went down with an injury he took over he had these wonderful seasons everybody's really impressed with him but what's the knock on him? He goes to Texas Tech. He runs the spread offense. He goes and plays in an offense where he throws for a bunch of yards and touchdowns because it's set up that way. And the NFL doesn't play that way. This kid can throw it a mile long. Yeah, but can he do it on a diamond against the NFL's best? And again, and what team drafts him? Does he actually do all that stuff? I mean, that was kind of the thing is he was like a situational player where it was like it kind of all depends where he ends up. I mean, and that holds true water for all of them. So what happens, I think, is that the draft comes out. Well, this is what happened. The draft, mock drafts are coming out. And look, GMs will tell you they don't listen to that stuff. Baloney. They listen to it. Everybody does. Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, all of them are doing mock drafts. And the one thing I took away from all those mock drafts, I remember... I put it all together, and the thing that I took away from it the most was this one constant thing, especially as it got closer and closer to the draft. Everybody said, Miles Garrett is going to be the number one overall pick. And it felt like quarterback was going to go later in the draft. Now, everybody had Mitch Trubisky actually ranked as the top quarterback in the 2017 class. But he was not supposed to be drafted until the 12th pick, which the Cleveland Browns held at that point in time. Before they started trading out to get all those first round picks that became Julius Peppers and not Julius Peppers, but Jabril Peppers and David Njoku. Okay, so they were supposed to take Miles Garrett at one and then Trubisky at 12. That's how they saw the draft falling for most of the mock drafts as it got closer to the draft. And it made sense. Now, what insider information I've got, I've been given, I've understood, is that the day of the draft, John Lynch places a phone call to Brian Pace, the man, general manager of the Chicago Bears. Right, John Lynch, former NFL player, met general manager of the San Francisco 49ers, says, Pace, what are you thinking about doing for the draft? And Pace kind of tells him, you know, well, you know, we're looking at these guys and all that stuff. And I guess John Lynch lays it out and says, look, we have an offer standing from Cleveland that says they want to trade up from 12 to 2 so they can go back to back 1 and 2 on picks to take Miles Garrett and Mitch Trubisky so they get quarterback and defensive end. I know it sounds crazy. Just hang in there with me on this story, okay? So John Lynch tells him that. And says, look, we're also thinking about possibly taking Mitch Trubisky as our quarterback. Remember, this is before Garoppolo comes along. So they say, look, we are looking at potentially pulling the trigger on this. Do you want to do this or not? Swap picks. You can get Trubisky. We don't trade with Cleveland. You get your guy if that's who you really want. And then at three, we'll take who we want which they took Solomon Thomas, who has not been very productive, I might add, as well. And Ryan Pace, rather than try and call him out on his BS, played chicken, and he lost. And he traded a bunch of draft picks to move up to two. And San Francisco moved down to three, got their guy, in quotation marks, their guy, but ended up using all those draft picks they got from the Bears to actually acquire some pretty good players that have helped them to be able to be Super Bowl contenders last year and probably for the next couple years. And what happens then, though, is that Trubisky becomes the number two pick by the Bears. And much like you would probably think about the stock market, if you don't know anything about the stock market, if somebody, if people start buying into a certain company, that company starts to feel more people starting pouring start to pour in money because people are saying, oh, people are really liking that stock, so you know what? I have to buy into that stock. 
that's where all the money's going into. And so everybody starts saying, okay, well, if quarterbacks go number two overall, then that means quarterbacks are now, there's a run on quarterbacks. So then that means everybody's going to jump up to get their guy if they need a quarterback. So Kansas City goes from, I forgot where they were in the draft, but all of a sudden they jump up to 10. And Houston jumps up to 12. And they get, Kansas City gets Mahomes. Tennis, Houston gets Watson, right? And all the teams that needed quarterbacks really get their quarterbacks. And then Cleveland gets Deshaun Kaiser in the second round. And then when Baker comes around, they're like, yeah, we don't really need you anymore the next year. So when you start saying all those things on, oh, why didn't the Bears draft Mahomes or, or Watson? How could, they, how could they have failed in that? Here's one thing you have to understand. That year we drafted Mitch Trubisky, we still had John Fox. Most of us wanted him fired, but there was always that understanding that he could be rehired because Ryan Pace was going to let him play out his last year of contract. So what Ryan Pace, it feels like what Ryan Pace did was basically draft a quarterback that fit John Fox's system. If you don't know, it's a very conservative system, which means a lot of pounding the ball, you know, running it, a lot of defense, you know, because John Fox is a defensive minded coach. And then a quarterback who can kind of sprinkle in passes on slants, curls, comebacks, all that kind of stuff, cross middle passes, things like that, right? That's Trubisky's game. If we would have fired John Fox that year, hired Nagy going into the draft, perhaps we would have gotten Patrick Mahomes because in Nagy's scouting reports of Mahomes and Watson, when it came to Deshaun Watson, he said, look, I know he's had some faults, but you can't not look at what he did in college and not see his ability to throw the football and think there's something not there. And when he said that he saw Mahomes, he said, that kid's special. That kid's got it. I don't know what it is, but he said that kid has it. And he tells Andy Reid to draft the kid. And they do. And what is Patrick Mahomes now? What is Mitch Trubisky? What is Deshaun Watson? Now, to the fair point, Mitch goes to Chicago when John Fox is there. Who says he is the same quarterback? Even if Nagy's there, who says he's the same quarterback? But that's the thing, though. Nagy's first year, he was just kind of working with what he worked with. He got lucky that he hit a bolt of lightning to go 12-4, and where all the other teams in the NFC North were bad, and the Bears were luckily good enough offensively to move the ball up the field, score touchdowns, and oh, by the way, the defense was swallowing up everything. And God, Khalil Mack is a monster. But that's the thing you got to remember. We drafted Trubisky for a different coach. If we had Matt Nagy, perhaps Watson or Mahomes would have been that number two pick for the Bears. And by now, who knows? That makes a lot more sense considering what they've succeeded with thus far. Hell, if we would have known that back then, they probably would have been the number one pick. Don't tell me Cleveland's not looking at Patrick Mahomes saying... Well, yeah, we took Miles Garrett, but we could have had Mahomes on offense. Things were different then. Trubisky was rated as the top quarterback by a lot of experts, by scouts. Mahomes and Watson had more questions on them. Trubisky fit a more faithful model. The mobile quarterback who has the initial ability to find the smart pass, make the quick move, right? He's not trying chances down the field. The problem is, though, the game changed very quickly to where now spread offenses are becoming the new thing, right? Look at look at Kyler Murray. He's 5'10", but in a spread offense, he slings that ball. Perfect spiral and everything. Now he's got the weapons to actually make it happen even more. In Chicago, Trubisky is now fighting with Nick Foles, who fits the system far better because he can throw the ball deeper, better spiral, better touch on the ball, better veteran leadership. 
But Ryan Pace doesn't want to look like the loser here. He doesn't want to look like the failed general manager. He wants to make sure that he can show in some way, shape, or form and validate the reason why he made Trubisky the number two overall pick. Dude, it's okay if you take the failure. It's okay if you take the L. Nobody's blaming you if it's because of the fact that you thought he was worth the franchise player that you thought he was going to be. But it didn't happen. It did not happen. It may never happen. I think Mitch Trubisky still has a lot he can get better with. I just think the Bears need somebody who has... I don't think he's checked out, but I think there's a lot of him that's kind of like, I can't wait for the season to really get started so he can be over with. And I will give it to Trubisky here too. The qualities that actually show up in leadership for him, he never really has his head down, and he is not somebody who bites into the media. Yeah, we can get a reaction out of him every now and then. One of our good guys, Matt Zahn, asked him, you know, why does something about does he feel that the losing stuff is kind of on his fault? And he kind of reacted, excuse me? You know, like, oh, like a tough dude, like a bro that sticks his chest out and is like, what's up, man? What are you saying about me? You know? But I will give it to Mitch. He he says all the right things. He doesn't, you know, comply with any of the bad things the media say. You know, he's his own tough critic. I give him credit on that. He's not a he's not an easy kid. He's a tough kid. He's got he's got some hard a hard shell to himself. The problem is though, physically he's just not that gifted a thrower. Athletically, he's talented. But ultimately. When you don't have the arm talent, and at the very beginning, a lot of it was questioning of, is he film studying because he was the guy that would come the same time as everybody else and leave it when everybody else did? It wasn't really staying late. I mean, that's kind of a red flag. It's kind of a red flag. I, I'm, look, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus on anything like that I'm just saying that I think the Bears kind of botched this one with with Trubisky I said it before on the predictions thing I'm saying it right now I don't think the Bears made a good choice on this I thought they should have gone with Nick Foles play the season out if he does bad put Trubisky in if Trubisky does bad go back to Foles and I thought that was going to be the situation going back and forth and it still very much could be I just thought Foles was going to be the starter But right now, Chicago, I mean, it, it's it's a mess. It's a mess in, in, that, in, in the city. I mean, I really don't know what's going to solve that issue in Chicago right now outside of just drafting a new quarterback, and that's the thing. Right now, I'm banking on if we can't get Trevor Lawrence, then we go get Justin Fields from Ohio State. If we can't get Justin Fields from Ohio State... Trey Lance seems like a nice quarterback, but I think he's far more project than prodigy. And honestly, next year, Sam Howell, yeah, you know, maybe I'd take a look at him too. But really, the year after that, you can get that kid from Clemson that backs up Trevor Lawrence, DJ Uyunglele, who's six foot four, 245 pounds, throws the ball 65 yards, can hit it on a dime. I mean, that kid is super talented. You thought Tua was something? This kid is a next-level Tua. Next-level Tua. That's the thing, is that we have to we have to wait till 2023 for that kid. We have to wait to 2021 for this for the for Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. We have to wait so much amount of time for a new quarterback to come out because the Bears don't have one. They never have had one. Why can't the Bears ever seem to get a quarterback? Why is it that we have to wait so long for one? I mean, God, it's been since Sid Luckman since we've had a valuable quarterback on this franchise. Why is it that it has to take so long for us to get to that point? And I say us because the fan is coming out in me. But the reality is, look, why is it the Bears can't get this situation right? 
It's because they've never had this situation right. Sid Luckman's the only elite quarterback they've ever had. You can argue Jay Cutler like my co-host Tom does, but the fact is, by the numbers, yes, he is the best quarterback in the franchise's history. But he was never elite. Elite means you can overcome bad talent. Elite means you can take them to the playoffs constantly on a day-to-day, on a, on a week-to-week basis. They always look like a playoff team. You know how many times the Bears actually look like a playoff team? It was only a few years here and there. They went to the NFC Championship once with him, and he went out because his finger hurt. And then they went to the... No, they didn't do anything else after that. Jay Cutler has one real playoff appearance with the Bears, and that's it. Everything else the Bears have done, it's been either mediocre to nothing. And if you're an elite quarterback, you can take nothing and still do something with nothing. We've seen plenty of quarterbacks do it before. Jay is the one guy that's the best in Bears history by the numbers, but he still doesn't qualify as elite. Jim McMahon doesn't do it either. Rex Grossman was far from it. It's always been just be the consummate leader in Chicago. It's never been be the elite quarterback. Uh, Grossman was supposed to be that from Florida, right? No, he was just Tim Tebow 1.0, which if you look at the guy, they actually look very similar. (laughs) They really do. And of course, Grossman, like Tebow, throws a lot of interceptions because he throws some ugly balls. I don't know what solves the Bears' issues. I mean, we have dominating defensive plans all the time. We always seem to have a really good ground game. But Matt Nagy is trying to make us a more modern-day NFL team, which throws the football. The problem is, we don't have the quarterback to get that done. And even if it is Nick Foles that can get that done with his arm strength, I still don't even know if he's the quarterback that can actually get it done. It's frustrating. Believe me. It's frustrating to be a Bears fan. And you don't understand it unless you've been in our shoes before as Bears fans. But I also understand there's a lot of other teams that have had it worse than us. Believe me. But it's just, man, 2006 is a dream year for all of us. For those of us who were able to live through that moment and be able to see it. And that's a dream moment. I can still picture it right now. Devin Hester taking the kickoff off of the Super Bowl back for a touchdown. First time ever in NFL history. Thomas Jones running the football hard. Bernard Berrien and Musha Muhammad and Dallas Clark. Erlacher, when he was a good guy, with Lance Briggs, Charles Tillman, Nathan Vasher, Mike Brown, Adewale Agunlier, Alex Smith, who's now a talking head on TV, with Tommy Harris and Anthony Adams in the middle. I remember those teams. I do. I remember them. It's a shame that as a Bears fan, though, I have to live in the past to remember the good days. And look, 2018 was a great year, right? But let me say this. Trubisky had 14 games, 11-3, 3,000 yards, 23 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 68 completion percent rating or 67 or something like that. Cam Newton had almost identical numbers, but he lost games. Trubisky made the Pro Bowl. I don't know if that says more about Cam or if that says anything about Mitch, but right now for me, that just says that it's not enough. Need more. Need a whole lot more. See what happens. It's going to be a long NFL season, folks. So I'm going to make another podcast, and you guys can listen to that one where I'm going to probably give the prediction of the scores. I'm going to get into basketball on that one. But, guys, if you did enjoy this, obviously you guys can follow me on social media. I am the Flovey Guru on Twitter. I am Boom Crew Captain on Instagram where I am more active, of course. Uh, you guys can follow us on our Facebook page if you want to see our live show every Wednesday and Thursday. It is Facebook.com slash Team X-Bomb Sports. You can also follow us on our Twitter and Instagram as well, at X-Bomb Sports also. So make sure to go check those out if you guys want to hear any more of us talking about sports, myself and my uh, colleague, Tom McKinney, as well as our new 
colleagues as well. We've got some new guys we're going to be bringing up on the program here soon when we do our Thursday shows. So thank you all so much for listening. And as always, much love and peace out to all you wonderful peoples. Thank you so much.